Matthew Rosenblum, David Krakauer here for the Microtonal Music Festival. Welcome, gentlemen. It's great to see you, and congratulations. Oh, thanks, James. Terrific to be here. The Microtonal Music Festival begins on Thursday evening at Carnegie Music Hall with a new piece from you, Matthew. Yes. Um, this is a clarinet concerto written for my old friend and incredible colleague, David Krakauer. And uh, we cooked up this project several years, several years ago. And uh, it's finally come to fruition, and we're really excited with Gil Rose conducting the Beyond Festival Orchestra, which are all freelancers from Pittsburgh. And uh, I'm just thrilled to be working with David. Um, as I said, we, we go back many, many years, so this is very special for me. David, what do you think of the concerto? The concerto is absolutely fabulous. It's um, a really dramatic work, um, mixing, of course, I'm best known for Eastern European Jewish klezmer music, so it mixes those elements in, um, but also a, a fantastic field recording of um, Matthew's grandmother singing a Yiddish song, and um, then just some um, amazing dramatic writing and quotations from Berlioz's uh, Symphony Fantastique, The Witch's Sabbath, so mixing these ideas of... Uh, of his grandmother's flight and uh, persecution and superstition and all of these things coming together. So it's actually an incredibly intense, incredibly emotional work. Um, and I found as I practice it and I listen to the, um, as I've been listening to the MIDI mock-up, that the, the work really carries you. It's an, inc it's an amazing journey. Matthew, would you describe the shape of the piece? Are we talking fast, slow, fast, uh, 20 minutes of music? What do we have here? Yeah, well, as David mentioned, um, you know, the original idea was, was related to the, the Berlioz and appropriating aspects of that wonderful, uh, you know, fantastic last movement of the Berlioz and the superstitious qualities that my grandmother embodied. Um, but um, when I described, you know, David has been, you know, his input all along the way has been crucial for the formation of this piece. And when I met with David one, during one of his visits to Pittsburgh, you know, we, I presented that, that Berlioz idea, and then he wanted to know more about my grandmother, uh, who fled Proskurov, Ukraine. Uh, she was pregnant with my mother. Uh, the, it was a pogrom in the town, and it was a massacred 2,500 people. And they fled through the back door, and she was pregnant with my mother. Uh, my grandmother and, and gave birth to my mother in the woods as they were fleeing and this was a this was a story that I, she would tell to the grandchildren in a very um, specific way which was this Eastern European lament style which is part sobbing and chanting and storytelling and it's, it's Ukrainian it's Yiddish it's English all kind of mixed in and I told David this this memory this story about my grandmother and he immediately said well that's the piece you know that's really needs to be the core of the piece and and you you know David suggested that the first part of the piece would be a lament and and then followed then by the witch's sabbath part of it and it was just uh, like a, a light went off you know it was really yes that's exactly right so so the the opening of the piece is rather slow and meditative and there's uh, pre-recorded as David mentioned field recordings of Ukrainian and Jewish laments and my grandmother's voice telling the story of, of how they left Ukraine and, and uh, that I heard so many times when I was a kid. So then the second half, it gets pretty intense. Uh, you know, towards the, there are actually three distinct movements and the middle movement, as David was describing, 
uh, is is a uh, is sort of a Russian folk song that my grandmother sang. sang. And this was all recorded by my aunt uh, in the late 80s when my grandmother lived with her uh, for the last years of her life. And my, my aunt had the good uh, idea to record her, uh, telling stories and singing. And so luckily we have those treasures that are embedded in the piece. Tell me about the friendship between the two of you. You've known each other since school. Yes, we went to an extraordinary school called the High School of Music and Art. And uh, that is now the LaGuardia High School for the Performing Arts in New York City. But at the time, in the early 70s, when we were in school, there were two campuses. One was called the uh, High School for Performing Arts in Midtown in the uh, West 40s. And then uh, the campus we went to, the... uh, um, High School of Music and Art was on 135th and Convent Avenue, um, actually in the middle of the City College campus. And um, it was a magical place, a magical building, the castle on the hill. It was up on the hill from St. Nicholas Avenue, and you would see this this castle, and that was our, our school. And um, it was just the most amazing collection of creative kids doing music and visual arts all day long. I I think that was kind of a paradise. Any other school that I went to before or after uh, pales in comparison. And I went to some great schools, but, um, um, you know, just I, I think just that community was so incredible. So I heard Matthew play the alto saxophone. Uh, We were in a jazz band together, and I was like, wow, this guy sounds like a cross between Charlie Parker and Eric Dolphy, and I I was blown away by his his playing, and uh, we became friends, and we played together with a pal of ours, Anthony Coleman, who's a well-known educator now and composer and pianist who's uh, based in uh, New England Conservatory. So we have a lot of memories of, of rehearsing out in East New York and going all over New York City and playing at the WBAI Free Music Store, live concerts in a church. and uh, It was an incredible atmosphere at that time in the early 70s in New York. And hearing music, I mean, hearing um, incredible people like, uh, I have memories of hearing Thelonious Monk and the Duke Ellington Band live, and as does Matthew, of, of, of incredible things, of hearing Elvin Jones and uh, legends, jazz legends, and that was our milieu. And I think that that is reflected in the piece, the spirit of improvisation, uh, the piece is, is completely written out. I hardly improvise in it, but there is an extended cadenza where uh, I wrote to Matthew. I said, I, I'm going to treat your cadenza a little bit like graphic notation. I'm going to play all the notes, but I'm just going to kind of just play it as I feel it and not really worry about counting it too much and just and he, he said, great, that's great. You know, I said, I just want it to feel like an improvisation, very spontaneous. So. Matthew, memory of David from those early years? Well, it's exactly as David said. We, uh, you know, that school brought um, kids together from all over, all the five boroughs of, of New York, right? So they all came. Uh, I traveled an hour and 20 minutes each way to get to this place. And I think I learned more from, from my peers, you know, than I did some, you know, from some of the teachers, you know, because they all were so talented and it was so interesting. Uh, 
and uh, certainly David, we we had a we had a click. We had sort of had a jazz click. You know, if we uh, would go to gym, you know, they'd find the you know they. Well, the gym at the high school of music and art gym class was basically ping pong and badminton. There wasn't a lot of heavy lifting going on, but we were the jazz click in the corner, you know, talking about monk and diz and you know, talking about improvisation and our passion at the time. And um, so, yeah, it was it was a very special time and very formative. And uh, we had New York City as our playground, you know, to hear all kinds of music, um, and and we took advantage of that and stayed up late and saw a lot of incredible things and heard a lot of incredible things. Well, we're going to talk about Microtonal Music Festival, but one diversion. I've got to ask you a little bit more about the WBAI program. This was a Pacifica station, which had a reputation for wild and crazy programming where you never knew what was coming on next. And I think in the, in those years, music was a little more powerful. Today, the Pacifica stations are much more leftist, political, uh, talk-oriented mm-hmm. than, than, than music. But uh, what was the show that you referred to all about? Well, it was called the Free Music Store, and there was a church, I believe, in the West 60s uh, on the east side, and they had, uh, I think they had weekly broadcasts, and they would bring bands in. And, um, you know, our, our, our pal, Anthony Coleman, back then, as a 15-year-old, I mean, he was a real wheeler and dealer. I mean, he was getting, you know, getting gigs, you know, and... Um, I don't know how you know how he he did that, but I think he grew up. His his dad was in advertising, um, and he had gone to the Newport Jazz Festival as a kid, like five years old, a little kid. He kind of knew how things worked, and I think he wasn't uh, he wasn't intimidated to make phone calls, you know. So I think he called up WBAI and he said, "Hey, we're a bunch of." teenagers talented teenagers and we're playing some original jazz and they were like wow this is this is great so I re- and it was packed i mean we went in those churches and they were absolutely uh packed and i attended a couple of concerts uh, i attended a concert by uh this guy named gunter hampel who was a crazy free jazz musician i think from um, switzerland or germany and he's yeah he's still playing yeah 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 gunter hampel and 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 uh and there were some amazing new york musicians who played with him including perry robinson and gene lee and um mark white cage and uh yeah, so it was a scene. It was a scene, and it was it was a it was a leftist scene. Definitely, it was it was people who were doing experimental stuff, cutting edge stuff, um, and it was the early '70s in New York. So it yep. had that whole atmosphere. Wish I could have heard the radio show. Now, Thelonious Monk, one memory of Monk. What what did you see on stage? What did you experience? I mean, he's a recording legend, a legend of American music. Well, you know, of course, I remember I went to the Village Vanguard to hear Monk. And I believe now, you know, reading later, this was one period Monk suffered from from mental illness. And he disappeared for periods of time, just couldn't handle being in the, you know, the public eye. Um, but this was one period where he emerged. Um, and... So I didn't know that. I just said, you know, Village Vanguard, I'm going to go see Monk, you know. So I went down there. He was supposed to he was supposed to start at 10 
and we're sitting there at 10 o'clock and people are having drinks. And back then, you know, I was underage, but we would put on jackets, you know, so we'd look a little older and people sort of turned another eye. Um, and uh, I got there at 10, sitting, nursing my rum and coke or whatever. And then um, Monk shows up at 11. And he starts to play, and he plays this incredible set. And I re just remember it was just, I mean, I couldn't believe that I was seeing this great legend. But there he was. And there was an intermission, and I was sticking around for the second set. And I went to the men's room, came out of the men's room, and there is Monk sitting in a corner in the dark, just sitting there next to the men's room in a chair. And our eyes locked. And I said, hi. And he said, hi. And that was my conversation <laughs> with Thelonious Monk. Uh, but I, I, I treasure that moment. I can understand why. Well, to be continued, I have to uh, delve into that further at, at, at some point. The Microtonal Music Festival. I think you can expect QED-FM listeners to know tuning is important. They know a piano must be tuned. They know that Bach experimented with tunings. They know something about the well-tempered clavier. What are we talking about microtonal music? Right, right. So, you know, microtonal music, I mean, yes, um, it's really about altered tuning systems, tunings that are uh, in between the notes of the piano. We, we get at notes instead of 12 notes within an octave before the, the, the first note will repeat. You can have, you know, any number of intervals or any number of, of steps in, in, in that scale, you know. So, I mean, microtonal, if you talk to folks that listen to um, non-Western music or music from, you know, from Indonesia or from India, you know, the, the term microtonal doesn't really exist because their, their music automatically has, uh, you know, in, in case of Indian music, maybe 22 steps to, to an octave, whereas, you know, since, since Bach, you know, we have, we have 12 equals, equal steps, equal, 12 tone equal temperament. So we're talking about music that uses notes that are unfamiliar in some sense to the Western ear, but, but not so much anymore. That's sort of what we're celebrating. Many composers um, have incorporated... Uh, tuning systems and pitch systems that that use you know these kinds of altered notes that that in some cases are derived from other cultures you know through listening and researching music of other other cultures that sort of uh, they incorporate some of those musical materials including uh, not only the sounds that in timbres and colors of the instruments but also the pitch systems that are that are different than than what we have so this particular festival is celebrating this idea of cultural roots and cultural intersections, music that sort of mines some of these resources from other cultures. So um, that's, that's the, the, the main focus of this iteration of the, we, you know, we had a, a, the first microtonal, it's, it's actually called the Beyond Microtonal Music Festival. The first one was in 2015, co-sponsored by the Andy Warhol Museum uh, both times, which is our presenting partner, you know, the sound series at the Andy Warhol Museum is, Music on the Edge is a presenting partner, and we do most of our shows down at, at the Warhol Theater. In this case, we'll be using the Warhol Theater and the entrance space to the, to the Warhol Museum, which is where you can hear uh, David Krakauer's Ancestral Groove on Saturday night for the closing event. But, of course, the first event is Thursday, January 11th, with, uh, with our Beyond Orchestra, with Gil Rose uh, conducting. Um, um, and um, it's a very diverse program. Uh, including a um, an oud player, Rahim Al-Haj, and Isa Malouf, who's his hand percussionist, 
And uh, Rahim has written a piece called Letters from Iraq that he'll be uh, the soloist uh, with orchestra. The oud is nothing like the sitar. No, I mean, the oud is, is really, you know, sort of a guitar uh, lute sort of an instrument. Um, but it's microtonal in that their pitches in the, the scales are called makam. And uh, the, the notes are different than uh, the notes that are in between some of the notes on our standard Western piano, let's say. So um, that's where, you know, that kind of flavor comes through in his piece, through his solo passages. But the message you would like to send to QED-FM listeners is do not be afraid. You have nothing to be afraid of. No, no, no. This is very listenable music, and, um, and it will challenge uh, in, on some, in some cases, you know, uh, your, your normal sense of, of what you might expect. But, uh, but I think it's all very uh, accessible and, and uh, should, should draw you. Each piece, I think, will draw you in in a different way. And the microtonal world to you, David, you swing with klezmer. You swing with jazz. Microtonal seems like something completely different. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting that I, I think it's actually the same. Because the thing about, and, and interesting that you use the word swing, because um, in jazz, for example, or just thinking about um, John Coltrane, and thinking about... Coltrane's records from the late 50s and early 60s, not the not even the records like Ascension where he goes, you know, it's really free and a lot of noise and a lot of uh, very, very far out, very experimental. But just records were like giant steps where he's in the mode of, of, of just playing, coming from a sort of post hard bop thing. And Coltrane uses... Um, harmonics, natural harmonics, which are, you know, microtonal um, to create swing. So he'll play, for example, a, a regular note, a regular fingering on the saxophone, and then he might, next to it, play a harmonic fingering. So it's like, and it gives a swing um, to the music. It, it creates... Um, um, it creates a rhythmic thing, but it's also microtonal. And uh, I think so. I think microtonal music, in a way, is more familiar to uh, the lay listener than they would even imagine. If you hear New Orleans jazz, you hear someone like Sidney Bechet inflect, uh, play these notes that moan, moaning blues notes, you know, you're going through all these microtonal, uh, uh, microtonal, it's a microtonal excursion. And I mean, even the, the famous iconic opening of the Rhapsody in Blue, well, that's as microtonal as you can get. Does that glissando just that takes the brain on a complete microtonal journey? And so I think that um, in Matthew's concerto, uh, the microtones are used for expressive effect. So for I treat them um, in the way uh, that I play jazz or that I play my, um, let's say, jazz-influenced klezmer. I mean, that's a whole other subject that I could get into, but basically... Uh, for me, I got into the music of my cultural heritage, but then brought in all of my influences um, from jazz to funk to um, to John Cage, you know, and brought that all into my music. 
Um, so the, 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 the microtones are expressive, and the microtones give swing, and they give a rhythmic impetus by playing two notes. One note is in the 12 tones of the piano, and one note isn't, and it gives a, it, it gives a piquant quality that I think people actually, if they think about it, are quite familiar with already. I can't wait to hear it. Let's listen to some uh, microtonal music. You brought me a couple of samples. One is a piece that you wrote, Matthew. What are we going to hear here? Right. Uh, this is a, a trio called originally called Two Harmonies uh, for viola, uh, piano, and percussion. I've since written a third that isn't recorded yet uh, of the set. But this is a piece that uses the normal piano, the 12-note piano, but then uh, also incorporates the second digital piano that is tuned slightly differently. They're... Uh, nine altered notes that that sort of mesh with the normal to, normally tuned notes of the piano and you get sort of a 21 note uh, array within an octave so it gives a as david mentions uh, it gives a different expressive it's sort of an ultra chromaticism that that uh, you you hear through through the combination of the two pianos together played by one player uh, and then it's uh, also viola and percussion so this is a piece that uh, released on a New World Records CD called Circadian Rhythms. Uh, I think it was 2012, possibly. And the uh, piece is Fantasy for Roberta Liss? Yes. So it's, uh, this is called Fantasy for Roberta Liss. Who was Roberta? My cousin. Uh, which was, uh, She was uh, an amazing person, incredibly supportive of me and my music, and just a wonderful person. That uh, This is a tribute to her.
Surely You was the pianist. This was music by Matthew Rosenblum from Two Harmonies. 2011 was the year of publication. The Fantasy for Roberta List. Now, did Shirley do all the tuning herself? Well, I did the tuning for Shirley. You did the tuning. <laughs> but she played it. Uh, yeah, she played beautifully on that on that cut, yeah. So that's a, a good example of what we might hear, the this, this sound that we should have in our, be comfortable with. When yeah, that's, it's, that's one possibility. But yeah, that's, it, you know, it's tonal. It, it, it references uh, traditional harmony in some sense and pentatonic uh, kind of feel to it. But there are these notes that, that are slipped in that give a sort of, you know, as David was mentioning, a kind of a bluesy, expressive element that is layered in. Um, but, but, you know, that, that's, you know, example of a piece that I've written, sort of that idiom, but, but we have so many composers. We have, we have six premieres on this festival, and we have composers coming from China, and we have, you know, from all over the world, really, uh, to hear their music performed and, in some cases, uh, premiered. So it'll be a wide variety of styles. Starts on Thursday night, 8 o'clock at Carnegie Music Hall. Gil Rose, who's a legend in the world of living composers and has been in Pittsburgh on a couple of occasions in the in the past. And the orchestra, some of the best players of new music from all over the city. Yes, so, you know, we are lucky in Pittsburgh right now because we have uh, so many young ensembles that are specializing in new music. Um, it's just like within the last five years, uh, I think of Camera Tone, uh, we, I think of Nat 28, Alia Musica, of course, uh, Elko, um, Wolf Trap, and these are these are young, uh, you know, some, in some cases recent CMU grads or some of our students from University of Pittsburgh or just folks in town. And uh, so I've, I'm using the core members of, of those ensembles as the principals in our orchestra. So it's bringing uh, sort of the community, the new, the new music community together to form this orchestra that, you know, the incredible, you know, Gil Rose, who's... Uh, the artistic uh, director of, of the BMOP Orchestra in Boston, Boston Modern Orchestra Project. They have their own label for over, over 20 years, so he's been doing incredible work up there, and I've worked with him on other projects, including a CD of my own. And it just seemed uh, he's a Pittsburgh native, and it's just uh, great to have him back and to see what's happening in, in terms of the new music scene in Pittsburgh and what, what, what the young folks are doing. Uh, to create a scene in Pittsburgh, and so we're really thrilled to to bring all these people together to celebrate this this music. Thursday night at Carnegie Music Hall, then Friday afternoon at four at the Frick Fine Arts Auditorium. What's the discussion going to be about there? Well, we um, we're going to talk about creation and uh, sort of collaboration. So we on this panel we have composers and performers that have worked together on pieces or. Uh, you know, that um, some, in some cases they're composer-performers. I think of Elizabeth Brown, who plays shakuhachi, the uh, Japanese um, bamboo flute, but she's a composer in her own right. And, uh, of course, David uh, is in the same case, uh, you know, composer-performer. And, um, you know, we're going we're gonna to hopefully also get into uh, sort of, in some ways, get into politics, you know, just in terms of, you know, uh, diversity within our own community, because... Uh, as I mentioned, we have we have a number of cultural references and and musicians from different cultures c uh, coming together, and just to talk about how um, that is reflected in this music as well. And the action moves to the Andy Warhol Museum and the theater at 7:30 on Friday night. I see a, fam a few familiar names there. Eve Baglarians turned up on some Pittsburgh New Music Ensemble programs over the years. Right. And uh, Harry Parch too is a legend of the, uh, the the microtonal world. Yes. That's right. So Harry Parch is in some you know the, sort of the the grandfather of American microtonal music. He had his own instrument collection that where all the instruments were mostly percussive in nature, tuned to different kinds of. Uh, 
you know, also influenced by world music, his music. But we've had the Harry Parch instruments in Pittsburgh at least twice through Music on the Edge. And uh, so this is a former student of mine who now directs the Harry Parch Institute in Seattle, Chuck Corey, who's coming back to do a program of Harry Parch's music, and then followed by Loadbang. And Loadbang is an incredible New York powerhouse group. It's only four guys. Uh, It's a singer, uh, a trumpet, trombone, and bass clarinet, actually former students of David, uh, the the group. And um, they're going to do an amazing program, including works by by Eve, Baglarian, and and others. So it's it's a, a double bill. Friday night, uh, starting at 7.30 uh, at the Warhol Museum. So if people don't come to this concert, what are they going to miss, David, since these are your students? Uh, I, I take it these are your superstars. Well, um, they are. They were students at the Manhattan School of Music Contemporary uh, Performance Program, and I'm a faculty member there, and our uh, Carlos Coderu is the, the, the uh, clarinetist, and he was one of my superstar students, and I also coached Loadbang and watched them, um, uh, coached them, I think, individually in different ensembles, and then watched them uh, form this group. And that's one of the great things about that program, that groups get formed or people go out and start working with other groups uh I think Vicky Chow, uh, right after she graduated from uh, the program, went right into Bang on a Can. So that was that was uh, we we said, oh yeah, we're on the right track with this program. People are 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 motivated and doing things and and getting the experience they need to be able to go out and do it on their own. So that's Hello, terrific. Bang? Where's the it, name come well, from? <laughs> that's a good question. I don't know, but it's it's an unusual instrumentation. So it's the trumpet, bass, clarinet, trombone, and voice. And so there's no repertoire for this, right? So they had to commission composers and, and uh, you know, get write pieces themselves that they perform. So they have over, I think it's over 250 pieces now that they've commissioned. It's, so it's, it's an extraordinary repertoire that they've developed. It's astonishing, yes. And yeah. I guess I think of it as, you know, like a, like a gun. You know, you load it and then bang, you know, load, bang. Load, bang, yeah. right, right. I guess that was, yeah, that was the name. And then we can talk it over on Saturday morning at the Frick Fine Arts Auditorium. You'll have another symposium, and Harry Parch is part of that discussion. That's right. So that's the sort of the theme of the Saturday morning symposium session is uh, Harry Parch and Beyond. So this is a little more technical. We have uh, Julia Warrens from Boston, who she's the head of the Boston Microtonal Society, and she'll have a piece that, that afternoon, Saturday afternoon, a little later in the day. But she'll talk, and the head of the Harry Parch Institute, Chuck Corey, who will, will have performed the, the night before that, he'll, he'll say, he'll have a paper to talk about the music of Harry Parch and some of the things that he, he's been working on. And also Taylor Brook, who's an astonishing young composer from New York. Uh, I think one of the, you know, he's at the forefront of, of the microtonal scene, let's say. And he'll have a piece on the orchestra concert Thursday night, but he'll also deliver a paper about his music in relation to the work of Harry Parch. So that should be a fascinating uh, morning. And one of the nice things about a festival is you have a chance to meet the musicians. And at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, you'll have a reception, and then there are two events after that. Yes. So we, you know, the reception is open to the public uh, at Frick Fine Arts uh, Cloister area, and we're also we're going to announce the, um, the Microtonal Music Archive at the University of Pittsburgh. So this will be a space and a place where we'll have uh, manuscripts and letters and all things microtonal. We'll, uh, this is the announcement. We, have, we already have some wonderful items that, that are uh, at, at the archive already, so, um, but this will be the formal announcement of that. And there'll be food, and we, ex- we invite everyone to, to come to that. 
and stay for the concert immediately following, which is the afternoon event from, from 2 to 5 in the Frick Fine Arts Auditorium, which features all of these local music ensembles that uh, comprise the orchestra. But now, now they have a chance to do their own thing in duos and trios and quintets and several premieres uh, on, that, on that program. So there'll be food and desserts while the concert is going on. So it'll be, uh, there'll be a table with microtonal scores. You can take a look, some CDs for sale. It'll be a very kind of relaxing way to hear music. Uh, after the reception, so we hope people will, will come and enjoy that. You're back at the Warhol for the grand finale. The grand finale is David Krakauer in an ancestral groove, and Rahim Alhaj uh, and Isa Malouf will open the set, and, but then uh, David will close it, and there's no better way to close a festival than a, than a klezmer dance party. I think that's, you know, how can you do better than that? And you have a klezmer following here in Pittsburgh from having appeared here on several occasions in the past, David. Yes, yes. Uh, at the uh, notably at the Pittsburgh uh, Jewish Music Festival, um, and also I came here for the famous um, <clears throat> um, concert that was uh, I think it was promoted by the Knitting Factory. They did a Knitting Factory tour, and this was a sort of on the avant-garde side of things, the Jews with Horns, quote unquote, uh, concert. Um, <laughs> So uh, that was uh, that was a lot of fun, and um, I always love coming back to Pittsburgh. Let's close with one more of your pieces, Matthew. Tell me about Sharpshooter. Well, Sharpshooter is actually uh, based on the same material as the previous piece, uh, it, but it's it's an orchestral version of it. Uh, so uh, it's an expansion. It was an idea that actually Gil Gil Rose uh, suggested that um, for the opening of the CD that I did with Gil. Um, to, to create an expansion and create a piece that's sort of uh, an opener, has a kind of a, a perky beginning and rhythmic uh, quality to it. So it's, it's an orchestral setting of the material of, of the trio. And um, so uh, you get to hear sort of a, a, a different um, take on the same material.
The music is called Sharpshooter by Matthew Rosenblum from the album Nubius Loop. It's the Boston Modern Orchestra Project. Gil Rose was the conductor, and Matthew Rosenblum is right here with David Krakauer, the Microtonal Music Festival. This weekend in Pittsburgh, it's very exciting, and I was about to say goodbye, but David, you said you got one more piece for me. What have you got? Yes, well, this is a piece called Krakowski Boulevard from my album Checkpoint, and uh, the album kind of, uh, a lot of the music sort of refers to my travels to Eastern Europe to sort of explore the areas where my ancestors came from and, and different stories along the way. And Krakowski Boulevard is a kind of, uh, kind of an homage to uh, the city of my name, Krakow, Poland. I've been there many, many times for the Jewish Culture Festival, and I made a live album, Krakauer and Krakow, um, a number of years ago. And uh, so I think I thought this would be good uh, for this program because the piece is actually microtonal. And the, the point I made earlier about how uh, microtonal fingerings and different microtones can make the music swing by hearing different uh, pitch settings of the same note. But then you say, oh, that sounds a little flatter, a little sharper. And uh, so I actually constructed the melody with microtonal fingerings. So that's Krakowski Boulevard. David Krakauer, Matthew Rosenblum, thank you so much for coming by to talk over the Microtonal Music Festival. Good luck with everything this thank week. You. Thank you very much. And keep it up. Keep it going. Oh, yeah. We will.